Hey, thanks so much for checking out Crossview Church Sermons and listening to this podcast. Every week you can expect a message that strengthens your faith and encourages you in your walk with God. You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Chris Dirksen. Christmas Women, part three of our series here, started with Tom last week. It uh, was me, and then this week again, and we're going to look at the Christmas story again through two women. And I want to show you a piece of art. Now, I'm not normally an art guy, but maybe I need to become more of an art guy because there's been a picture I've been meditating on, and I, and I got the permission to show it. So the artist of this picture, this is Eve, and this is Mary, and I'll explain a little bit more. There's lots and lots of biblical imagery in here. The artist's name is uh, Grace Remington. She's a, a, a Catholic nun uh, from, the, from the States down south. And she drew this picture almost 20 years ago. Um, but there's a ton of biblical imagery in this picture, and I just absolutely love it. So you'll see here on the left, we've got uh, Eve, okay? And, and we have, literally, we have the Christmas story through the eyes of two women here. And I think that's really cool because often we tend to, and part of the reason is because the Bible, um, just the time it was written in and, and some of the culture and stuff, the Bible was written by men. Um, so I think it's cool sometimes to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of, of a couple of women. So we have Eve here on the left, um, uh, and of course, uh, you know, Eve and Mary were not white-skinned like this, but fine. Um, but anyway, she's got the long red hair, she's got the apple. Now, of course, okay, as, as we know, or maybe you didn't, you know, we always imagine the apple, like she took a bite of an apple and the serpent tempted her with an apple, but we don't, it wasn't an apple, it, it's not an apple tree, it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, whatever kind of fruit that was. So, but anyway, here she is sad, she's experiencing the sadness of the brokenness in the world and her own disobedience, and then we have Mary, this other woman, consoling her. And why consoling her? Because the answer to Eve's problems is a little baby that's growing in Mary's womb. And if you guys just zoom out, I just love that they can do the zooming in and zooming out with this thing. I'm just addicted to it. You'll see some more biblical imagery here. You'll see the serpent. There's a serpent, just like in the garden, right? The serpent is the one who tempted Adam and Eve. And you'll see the serpent wrapped around uh, Eve's leg here. But what my favorite part of this whole picture is that Mary is just casually, it's like she didn't even notice it. She's just smiling at Eve and she is stepping on the serpent. She's crushing the serpent's head, just like the prophecy of Genesis 3. And so I just wanted, there's so much biblical imagery in this picture, so I got permission from the artist to, to do this in a sermon, we're not selling it or anything, um, to, to just kind of be that as the launching point for this. And I want us to look at the Christmas story today through the eyes of these two women, Eve and Mary. Now, every good story, okay, whether you're here today and you're a kid, or you're an older kid, um, or you have kids, anybody who's ever been to school or watched a movie or read a good book, you know, every good story, and there's many components to a good story, but every good story has three things. There's three things that every good story has in common. One is a good story must have a problem. And again, now the Christmas story is a true story, but it's a story, okay? But every, it's true, it happened, but it's still a story. It's a story in history. But every good story has to have a problem, right? Like, like no story, if it doesn't have a problem, why are we, why are we watching this movie? Why are we reading this book? Like, if the movie starts with, hey, everything's good, and then everything stayed good, and then everything was good happily ever after, why did I just watch this? Right? So, a good story has some kind of problem, something dark or evil, uh, preferably, you know, maybe not too dark, um, but, you know, something that's got to be overcome. Then the second thing every good story has is some kind of a climax. Good and evil collide, 
At least those are my favorite movies, right? Good and evil collide, and somehow it's terrifying, but good somehow overcomes evil. And then you have the resolution. It's all tied together, and whatever the problem was is finally fixed. Now, the Christmas story, again, is not a, it's a, it's a true story, right? It's a history, but it's a story. So as we look at this picture, we see there's a problem. But what is the problem? Why is it that Jesus, why is it that God has to take on human flesh, get born, go through this whole thing, and then get get nailed to a cross. What's the problem that the Christmas story that Jesus needs to come and die on a cross, what's the problem that's being solved? Well, if we go back to the beginning of the Bible, and the, the Bible really doesn't, it, it really isn't a super nice or easy, you know, just one book story, but if we really simplify things, we can kind of look at it that way. And if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see the problem that the Christmas story that Jesus, that God is trying to solve. And it starts in chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 1. And it says this, Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to, to the woman, that's Eve, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, we could go into all kinds of things, you know, what's going on with this temptation. That's, we're going we're we're to do the whole Christmas story, okay? But basically, we know what happens in Genesis 3 is, so the serpent tempts Eve, Eve takes a bite of not an apple, but some kind of fruit. She takes a bite, and she passes it to Adam. Adam takes a bite, and we have disobedience, okay? We, we have a problem. Now, if we stop and think about it, which often we Christians don't because we get so used to these stories. If we stop and think about this problem for just a bit, though, it doesn't seem like something really bad has happened, does it? Like, if we pay attention to this story here, Eve doesn't have a knife in her hand, Okay? She didn't just stab Adam. Like that, that we might be able to get a little more like, ooh, that was pretty bad. You know, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't carve him up. She didn't do something. You know, we don't have, there's not a gun here. There's not something. She took a bite of a piece of fruit. Like, is that really such a big deal? Why is that such a big deal that God would have to take on flesh, be born into humanity, and then ultimately die on a cross? It seems like overkill but the only reason it seems like overkill to us is because as as modern evangelicals we have shrunk the gospel we have shrunk the gospel story down to something very simple it's a nice slogan and but simple doesn't mean it's the right it's it it, it gets everything simple doesn't mean it's actually true we've we've shrunk it down and basically what we shrunk the problem down to is that adam and eve broke a rule and breaking a rule somehow is really, really bad. And, and yes, breaking rules, that is, that is bad. And it's, not, it's not that that's totally wrong. They did break a rule. But I want to just show you a little bit the gospel according to modern evangelicalism. And I want to show you how our gospel is far too small. Here's how many of us as modern evangelicals think of the salvation story. It starts with this. Problem number one, we do bad things. We break rules. Okay? And by the way, that is bad. And that is a problem. Our rule breaking is a problem. That, that's true. But wow, is it so much bigger than that? Problem number two, God really hates rule breaking. So God has to punish us for breaking his rules. Therefore, so those are the problems. This is the gospel according to modern evangelicalism. Therefore, Jesus died on the cross so God for, could forgive us for breaking his rules and take us to heaven someday where we won't break his rules. Modern evangelicalism has basically just shrunk the whole gospel message down to it's just about Breaking rules. And God hates it when we break rules. But the fact of the matter is, what happened in the garden and what Jesus came to solve, yes, rule breaking is a problem. And yes, our bad behavior is a problem. But it's so much bigger than that. 
And so we go back to the garden. We're going to actually read that there's so much more to this than just some, some rule breaking. Verse 17, Genesis uh, 3, God says this to Adam. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded it, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. Now this next part, this part, this section of Genesis is commonly known by, uh, you know, many of us Christians today as the curse, okay? And God says to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Okay, so this is our first clue. Well, there's something more going on here than just a rule got broken. Something is going on with creation. Now, before we go any further on that, though, I, w- I want us to recognize that there's two ways. This curse, this curse section of Genesis 3, there's two ways we can look at this, cur- this curse section. The first way is that everything in this curse section is a punishment from God. God's mad at Adam and Eve. You ate fruit. That was a rule. I told you you weren't allowed to eat that fruit. Therefore, I'm mad at you. And so weeds, thorns, thistles, that's, I'm punishing you. Okay? A second way of understanding the consequences of this curse section is to see the curse as the natural outworkings of just sin. The world is broken somehow. Okay? The world is broken somehow. Now, as, as, as I think about it, when I look at the world, so for example, um, you know, and Christians approach this, this question from different angles, but when I look around at the world, when I think of the farmers all around the world, and when I think of those of you here who have the misfortune of being gardeners, right? So, um, not the misfortune, I'm just joking, but those of you who like to garden, right? Now, when I think of what happens to your garden, when I think of all the farmers around the world when they go out to plant their fields and weeds come up and thorns and thistles come up, do I think that every time, do I think that in your garden when a weed comes up, that was a specific act of God because he's still punishing Eve and he's punishing us for our sins today? Is that God like, okay, that weed, for me it's my lawn. I don't know if that gets covered by the curse. But the broadleaf, the way that comes up from my neighbors, is just insane. And is every one of those part of the curse, God is punishing Adam and Eve. I'm still mad at them. I'm punishing them. I'm punishing their descendants. I'm punishing you guys. Every weed, every thistle. Is that what's happening? Or are the thorns and thistles and weeds a sign that something, it's not just that some rule was broken, but something is deeply wrong with creation. Somehow creation itself is deeply affected and out of sync with the way, with God's ultimate plan for eternity, that something is broken, and when we see the thorns and the thistles, by the way, it's no accident that Jesus took a crown of thorns to the cross. That's not an accident, okay? He was taking on himself the brokenness of creation. Now, if we go back, I'm going to skip over a verse there, uh, guys. I'm just going to go straight to the one where he talks to Eve. If we go to Genesis 3, uh, verse 16. Um, by the, actually, by the way, just before I do this, Take that down, sorry. The PowerPoint guys are loving me right now. Um, I'll come to that verse in just a second. But anyway, you know, when I think of thorns and thistles and weeds and the brokenness of creation, like, I mean, just just look at the news. I mean, you just look at the news. uh, In any given week, you can find, you know, flooding. We've we've had it here in the West Coast, right, in B.C., massive flooding, destruction. And in the same week, somewhere else in the world, so somewhere in the world they have so much water, it just wrecks everything and it floods. Then other parts of the water, they wish they could get rain, they can't get enough, and you have famine. So you have like, you have people suffering because they can't get water, 
You have people suffering because they get too much water. It doesn't even out. The world and people suffer deeply as a result of it. By the way, this is so much deeper, again, as Christians. And it's important. How we behave matters. Our character matters. Our, our sins do matter. Absolutely, they do. I'm not saying that's not part of the gospel. But th- why don't you think about this? I think we've become so self-focused as, as modern Christians here in the West. I think we've become so self-focused. We're so focused on our own sins. Like when you look at those millions of people, you know, wherever they are this year. Last year it was Yemen. I, I'm imagining it's still bad there. It's just one place where there's famine and war and genocide. And you see these pictures in the news of families in tents and they're half-starved. And I think the biggest problem is, oh, you know, I, I shut the door on my finger and I happened to let a swear word slip. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. We, we want to work on personal character and personal behavior. But something much bigger than rule breaking is going on. We've got millions of people that don't have enough food. We've got millions of people affected by flooding. The world itself is deeply broken. Cursed is the ground. Now, is all of that a sign of God's anger, or is that a sign that something's broken? Well, now we go to the part about Eve. So this is the part I want to get to. So verse 16, to the woman, that's Eve. God said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Now, again, I mean, how many hundreds of millions of women in history, maybe it's a billion, I don't, I don't know, but maybe it's billions. But many, many women in history have, have given birth. And I think I'm safe to say I haven't done a study. I watched four. Um, that was traumatic enough for me, and I wasn't even the one giving birth. <laughs> Literally, on our first child, Joy, we were three hours into it. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> so... There's no question, women are tougher than men. But anyway, um, do you think, so all these hundreds of millions of moms, and we got a number of moms here tonight who have gone through childbirth, and it was painful to some extent, uh, very painful probably in most cases, right? Do we think that every time a woman has pain in childbirth, that is because God is specifically touching that woman and punishing her? Is that what we think? Or is the pain... Telling us something that something deeper is wrong with the world. That pain is saying to us, the world is broken, our bodies are broken. It goes so much further than childbirth, disease, and pain, and suffering, even COVID, right? But there's something deeply wrong with the world. It's not just Adam and Eve broke a rule. It's not about some rule breaking, God just doesn't like rules. Something's broken in in the world. And then he goes on to say this to Eve... In the next part of that verse, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, I have yet to meet a woman who has that verse on a plaque (laughs) in the house. I have met some men where they live as if that is a plaque in their house, and that's just bad. And I know Christians who even point to that verse sometimes, and they're like, see? That's That's part of the curse. That's part of the brokenness of the world. One of the signs that the world is broken, some of the signs are weeds and thorns and thistles. Some of the signs are pain in our bodies, pain in childbirth, sickness, disease. And then one of the signs of the brokenness of this world is the brokenness between men and women that we've seen throughout history in many cultures where men have dominated over women. And this is not by God's design. This is not by God's heart. This is not by God's desire. I mean, you go through history. Just look at the Old Testament. Even the good guys treated women badly for the most part. I mean, King David is one of the good guys. He treats women horribly. There's polygamy. There's all kinds of stuff. 
All this shows us is not that God is in favor of these things. All that this shows us is that the world is deeply broken. And when we see, you know, as a pastor now for almost 20 years, how often, way too often in the church, have I met with people and seen, you know, and again, it can go both ways too. It's not like women are perfect and men are really bad. I'm just picking on this one verse where it talks about men dominating over women. And we just see this in history. We even see it in the church today. How much, how many examples of abuse, physical and emotional and mental abuse, even among Christians, his desire will be, your desire will be for him. He will rule over you. That is a sign that something is broken. This is not God's heart. So this is not just Jesus had to come because they broke a little rule. They eat a piece of fruit. Something much deeper is that work that has broken everything badly and causes tremendous amounts of pain and has through every society and culture and individual in history. And yes, the rule breaking matters. But now the question is, what's the solution going to be? Now, of course, many of us here have gone to church all of our lives. We know where this is going. Oh, yeah, the Christmas story. What's the solution going to be? Let's try and stop for a moment and just think about, like, Try to forget that we know what the ending is going to be. Because, and try to think about what solution would you have come up with? Because what the solution is going to be is going to tell us a lot about the kind of God God is. Now I'll tell you, if you had a typical man solving a problem, probably the solution is going to be in some way violent, right? Like, like probably... If we don't know the Christmas story, and I don't have this picture up here, probably the solution to this problem looks a little like Mel Gibson with a kilt yelling freedom, okay? And most of you kids should not know what that is yet. You're not old enough to watch that, but okay, maybe someday, okay? But that's probably, that's how men, by the way, if, and, and, because clearly the solution has to be kill all the bad people. Just kill the rule breakers and it's fixed. Well, by the way, if you think that's a good solution to the problem, the Old Testament has a story for you. It's called The Flood. It's right near the beginning. And all the bad people get killed, and guess what? It doesn't fix the problem. The world's still broken. And you want, you want to know why that is? Because the fact of the matter is that the brokenness runs through the good people, too. So you can't fix the problem by killing everyone. And so God has a different plan. And by the way, why didn't God just crumple up the universe and say, well, that didn't work? I mean, that would tell us something about God, too. But he doesn't do either of those things. Okay? Chapter 3, verse 15. We're going to get to God's way of solving things. It's very different than the way we solve things. Verse 15, God says to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you, that's the serpent, and the woman, that's Eve, and between your offspring and hers. God's solution is babies. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You crush your head. We've got that in a picture too. I just love that imagery. God solves the problem with a baby. He says to Eve, guess what, guess what? Not only am I not going to just slaughter you guys, not am I only not going to just crumple up the universe and chuck it, guess what? You just continue being, uh, you're going to have babies and those babies are going to have babies and those babies are going to have babies. And then one of those babies is going to crush the serpent's head. Now here's what I know about the way we tend to deal with evil, is often with more evil. If Satan walked in that door right now, okay, just imagine with me, okay, he walks in, if he has a gun, I know how most of us try to fight him. We just try to get a bigger gun. 
I want you to notice how different. God does not fight fire with fire. He doesn't fight evil with evil. He fights evil with good. The world is ruined and the serpent is bringing his temptations and God says, let's look at the Christmas story with two women. And he enters into our pain. He doesn't come in from the outside. He doesn't come in with a bunch of swords going, rah, I'm going to kill everybody. He comes like a baby. He doesn't get a bigger gun. He gets a baby. And then Mary doesn't have to think about it. Just by having the baby. Serpent's getting stomped on. I just love that. This is God's way of overcoming evil. And it should tell us something very deep and profound about God. It should also tell us something very deep and profound about the way we're meant to live. Because if we're meant to model Jesus, then as Christians, we need to live a radically different way. We don't fight anger with anger. We don't fight sin with sin. We don't fight violence with violence. We actually overcome in Jesus' way. Babies and pregnant moms and women are actually powerful in God's kingdom where the meek inherit the earth. Now I want to shift gears here and I want to finish with something very short and very practical out of all this. Because I think, well, I mean, we're living in a time, so... Here we are in a pandemic. Lots of people are discouraged. Lots of people are upset. Lots of you have family gatherings this week, and I've talked to so many people. How many families are feeling divided right now? Lots. And so-and-so's not coming, and so-and-so can't come, and so and now so-and-so is coming, but now we can't talk about this, this, or this. It's going to be a blow-up. People are tired. We're tired of this pandemic. We're Tired of all, we're tired of being sick. We're tired of people dying. There's lots of discouragement out there right now. Leading into Christmas. But you know, when I look at this picture and I see Mary just being herself, being pregnant and stepping on the serpent's head, I think to myself, in this next week, this is our chance as a church. How do we as a church slay the dragon? Slay the dragons of discouragement and despair and some of those things like that. Just kind of take a bit of a rabbit trail off here just a little bit, but just to bring it practical this week leading up to Christmas. How are we going to slay those things this Christmas? Are we going to slay those things by convincing other people to think just like us? No. We're not going to do it by winning arguments. We're going to do it by getting angry at people who don't think the same way as us. Is that how we're going to do it? No. That's not how we're going to do it. You know, when I was home, so I was, I, I had the joy of being isolated at home for 10 days, two weeks ago, uh, with COVID. And, you know, two wonderful things during those 10 days. There are other wonderful things happened too. But um, mostly just getting better. But one of the things that happened is one day someone just dropped by with coffee, just unexpectedly, knock on the door. I had to stay in the basement because I was unclean. It's like, hey. One of the kids opened the door, punt the coffees down to me. You're good. Um... You know how much that meant? Just that little coffee. You know how much that meant? For someone just to think, to come out of their house, to drop a coffee. Another time someone dropped off pizza for us for supper. And just, it was just so, it was just so perfect. Cheer up the family. And I thought to myself, it doesn't take a lot of money. And it doesn't take a lot of effort to do something in the opposite spirit this Christmas. That is a total dragon slayer. 
arguing and convincing and debating, it's not going to do much dragon slaying. You're just going to create more dragons than you, than you kill. But I thought to myself, what would, in this week up to Christmas, in a time when a lot of people are feeling down, what if we just acted in a total opposite spirit? And we're going to stop in just a moment. We're just going to take a moment and just pray. Then we're going to have a final special number. When we pray, I want you just to think of a name. Could be someone in your neighborhood. Could be someone in your family. Could be someone at work. Could be someone from church. Could be someone from a different church. Does not matter to me. Who you think this week and could just use a little, just a practical thing that's going to, I mean, we have Brad and Caleb and run around. We've been posting some of the videos to our church Instagram. They're terribly hilarious. These guys are just ridiculous. Running around with a spin the wheel thing and, and doing ridiculous things with people. Uh, just trying to spread some joy. But what if you just took a, a, a coffee card or a pizza card? And of course, don't do anything, you know, don't, don't spread sickness. And if you've got to wear a hazmat suit or drop the pizza off on the curb um, and, then, and then, you know, chuck an egg at the house and tell them, hey, we brought you pizza. Um, however you want to do it in a, in, a, in a healthy way. But can you imagine if we just this week unleashed? And, and what if we even took it one step further? Like, go to a place with like two things. Go to a place and give them enough, you know, a card for enough pizza to feed the family for the evening, but then give them a second one and say, now go spread this to someone else. You'd be amazed how it's actually the little things. It's a pregnant woman. The, the, the devil could never have seen this coming. And this Christmas, if we all just put a little effort in, you're saying, I'm, I'm the one who needs picking up. By the way, if you're one of those people that needs picking up right now, I'll tell you actually what you need to do is you need to go and bless four or five or six people and keep blessing. Don't wait for someone to bless you. You just get into the river of blessing others. And you're the one that's going to be blessed. You're going to find yourself cheered up like crazy. So I'm going to pray and just whatever name comes to your mind, say, okay, I'm going to get out of my house this week. I'm going to do something generous for someone else. And, and we're going to live out the Christmas story in Jesus' name this week. Living in the opposite spirit to what we're experiencing today. Father in heaven, we thank you that you do not solve problems the way we do. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for Mary and Eve and every other woman. Lord Jesus, who has given birth and not given birth, but who is part of this story, Jesus, that you would come and enter into our pain and carry our pain and then those thorns on your head take all the brokenness of this world on you and triumph over it by rising from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. And now, Lord, just in our little way, it's so little it's hardly even worth mentioning, but we want to spread your good love and joy this Christmas to other people. Would you bless us as we unleash these little acts of kindness and grace? In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today and being part of what God is doing here at Crossview. A special thanks to those that are giving generously to this ministry. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you enjoyed the sermon, why don't you subscribe to the platform you're listening to right now and let us know that you're listening by sharing and tagging us on social media. If you want to learn more about this ministry in our church, you can visit us at crossviewchurch.ca.